The Healthy Golf Podcast, episode 38, The Monthly Mash, with your hosts, Joe O and Andrew Roberts. Welcome to The Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to The Healthy Golf Podcast. And if this is your first time joining us, I am your co-host, Joe Obercheski, alongside Andrew Roberts. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks uh, for always having me, Joe. It's a good time to talk some golf. Yep. For those, again, who this may be your first show listening, this is our monthly edition, uh, what we like to call the monthly mash. We kind of just talk about what's going on in the golf world and we answer uh, questions from listeners and people on social media who have questions about anything related to health and wellness and golf. So we have a few questions tonight, um, but let's get started with what's going on in the world of golf. I think uh, this weekend is uh, the Farmers Open and uh, it's at Torrey Pines, which is the site for the U.S. Open later this year. Um, I mean, it should be pretty exciting. I talked to someone actually who played at Torrey Pines on a trip like at the end of December or so. And he said that the rough was like super crazy just then. Obviously things have changed. It's already been a month since then, but, um, Torrey Pines is, I think the longest course on the PGA tour. I think it's like 77, almost 7,800 yards, which is absurd. Um, absurdly long and has two courses, North and South course. Um, but tell me what your thoughts are. I think everyone's favorite to win this week is John Rahm. Um, some people like uh, Xander Shoffley to also do well. And then uh, Rory is another favorite as he's done well in the past, but had a disappointing weekend last weekend at uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, blowing blowing lead <laughs> twice, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the south course is 78. I think the north is maybe 72, 73. So a lot of players, as they start on the north, they'll score quite well. Um, players will still score well at the South, but it's long. Um, yeah, you're going to get a mini preview of the U.S. Open later in June. Uh, is the rough going to be as long? Absolutely not. It's still probably going to be maybe in the two-inch two, two inch range, maybe two-and-a-half, maybe three at the most. I mean, they're going to – they're after this tournament, I mean, they're just – they're going to start the U.S. Open prep right away. Um, John Rahm has done well here. Remember his big eagle – on 18 to win his first tournament. I believe that was uh, 2017. Uh, Xander has grown up in that area, played his college golf at San Diego State, I think is another uh, great choice. Both those guys consistent. Both now we obviously know Callaway players. Um, you know, John Rahm this week uh, talked about he was supposed to play the American Express because he wanted to test his equipment because, you know, he played the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, on a 7,500-yard golf course in Maui, but sloping lies, tons of wind, uh, you know, very unusual conditions, and, you know, wanted to play at the American Express because it would be normal conditions. Uh, a lot of people, I read a story on, uh, it was either Golf Channel or Golf.com that basically said Torrey Pines is considered a golf dome because the wind uh, doesn't really affect it, even though it's on the Pacific Ocean, which is kind of interesting, so couple great guys to look at. Obviously, Rory, um, 
you know, had a chance in Abu Dhabi, finished third to one of the hottest guys in golf right now, Tyrrell Hatton, who's won four times, uh, I believe, over the last 10, 11 months. He's up there with Dustin Johnson for the most wins uh, in that span. But Rory uh, played well at the Farmers last year. I believe he had a top 10, maybe even a top five there. Um, but obviously one player that is going to be missed there this year, uh, always a top contender at Farmers, is uh, Tiger Woods. Some other dark horses to look at. Uh, Bubba Watson has done well here. Uh, Jason Day, now an equipment-free agent, now has six companies in his bag. Uh, first time he's been a free agent since he signed with TaylorMade back in 2006. Um, but those would be guys I would uh, look at. And Mr. Uh, Mr. Major making his first trip to the Farmers Insurance Open, Brooks Kepka, uh, another guy to keep your eye on because he said he was healthy, even though he missed the cut last week at the American Express. I believe I just saw something that he and Butch Harmon split up recently. Uh, Claude, Claude Harmon. Claude. III. Claude. Yep. Oh, well, Claude Harmon the third. For most of you that don't know, has been working with the who's who of golfers: Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Um, you know, spent a lot of time down there. He's obviously stationed. Uh, in that Jupiter, Florida area where those guys play the Floridian, the medalist, things like that. Um, and they were really good friends. But Brooks apparently uh, said at the end of last year he felt like he wanted to go a different direction. Uh, he does not have a swing coach. Uh, this is kind of very similar when he broke off from Joey D, the fitness trainer, uh, because now uh, Brooks is training with a guy that is based in San Diego. Uh, I can't remember his name, but... Uh, Brooks has kind of gone a different route these last few years. Obviously, last year was really hard uh, with the tear in his patellar tendon of his knee uh, that he said is healed. And then, obviously, uh, some of the hip issues he had most notably was seen during the PGA Championship. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Claude released a statement saying, you know, he's been a great friend of Brooks. He respects Brooks, Brooks a ton, but he was absolutely devastated when Brooks said he wanted to to go a different direction because those guys had worked together and, and Claude had uh, been with him for all four of his major wins. And obviously the, the close calls as well with the many majors he's had over the past few years. Yeah. And I think right now with the West coast swing, we're in, we're in for a good swing of things, right? We have the waste management happening. Yep, down uh, Pebble. And, and then they go, uh, Back to Riviera for the uh, Genesis Open. Uh, yep. Tiger will be hosting and not playing once again. So, And Pebble's in there too, I believe, right? Yep, yep. Pebble is in there. Oh, never mind. So it goes it goes waste management. Then I think it's Pebble, and then they go down to the Nissan, and then they'll go to the World Golf Championships, which is not Mexico City this year. It's on a Jack Nichols design. Uh, I can't remember the name. It starts with a C in Florida, so... Yep. And I just saw supposedly that Rory is going to be going to the Waste Management Open, which will be his first he, time ever. He is. So I'm a member of the Arizona Golf Association. He is going to play in the Waste Management Open. Jason Day also uh, confirmed that uh, basically they're going to allow 5,000 fans in uh, per day, which obviously is much less than what they're used to because they call it the biggest party in golf down here. Um, and it, it, these, I've driven by both courses because on you drive down, I think it's Hayden Road, 
And on the right side is the TPC, the stadium course where they play. And off to the left is the, the champions course for those of you that can't get in uh, to the stadium course. Obviously, the stadium course is the premium course, but the champions course is a uh, really good challenge as well, just off to the left. So they have 36 holes um, on that property that are really good. But yeah, so apparently I think it's Rory's going to play eight of the next 11 weeks, something like that on the PGA Tour. Uh, up to the Masters, so um, his his fitness looked good, obviously last week. But he's really going to get a good test of his uh, fitness. You know, um, obviously he's going to play this week um, at Farmers. Then he's going to go to the Waste Management. He won't play Pebble, and then I think he'll go to the Genesis and World Golf Championships. And then after that, we'll see. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a good test of Rory's fitness and and golf game and a lot of other things. Yeah. Lots of sleep that, that he's probably has to make up from the yeah. long flight back from Abu Dhabi, all those things. Well, and he's also, and he's also got a kid, Joe. So, you know, well, yeah, that too. Change for him in that aspect, but I mean, he's, right. still, he's still one of the fittest guys. I'm, you know, two of the guys have been very impressed with, with their physical transformation. One is him. I mean, obviously it helped him being younger, but number two is Scott Stallings. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. He's running a workout program for Golf Digest right now. Um, but his transformation is amazing, too. And those are two of the guys I've been very, very impressed with. with. Um, and I think, obviously, Tiger led the charge. But I think these two really have um, all, also kind of led the charge to the golf fitness and performance realm of, of changing golfers into just kind of Joe Schmoes and into athletes. So let's, um, we, we had three questions from, uh, listeners, people from social media, whatever. And the first one has two parts to it. Uh, it's a nutrition question. The question was how much water should you be drinking during a round and when, and then the other part of the question was what are, are good foods to be eating during your round as well? Yeah, perfect. Um, so first off, folks, I just want to say, Joe, and I appreciate your questions and comments. Um, and even if we're not doing a monthly mash, you can always hit us up, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Joe runs the, uh, the group, uh, remind me of the group's name, healthy golf and beyond, I think is what it's called. Something like that. Healthy golf, tea to green and beyond. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So any, anytime you guys have questions or comments, don't hesitate to ask either one of us. Um, as far as hydration. First off, I'm going to start by saying I'm not a dietitian. So, um, you know, if you if you want better answers, uh, uh, seek out a, a registered dietitian because they know what they're doing. Um, when I'm on the golf course, you know, obviously I have uh, one of those Gatorade uh, stainless steel bottles. I think it's like 24, 26 ounces. So I think I go through at least probably two full things of that, maybe three. Obviously, um, in certain climates, you know, especially during the summer, it can get pretty humid. So obviously you're going to drink a little bit more. Um, and maybe in the spring or people that don't have as humid climates, you're going to drink a little bit less. So, I mean, our body's great. It tells us when it's thirsty. It tells us when it's hungry. So kind of go off that, uh, foods on the course. Uh, I usually have like a banana or an apple is one thing. Um, I do what are called RX bars. So they're these little bars that are made with dates, egg whites, almonds, and they have a bunch of different flavors. So those are the things 
I've been doing lately. Um, some other good things like a peanut butter banana sandwich. Uh, you know, that, apparently that's Tiger's go-to, so maybe you'll play like Tiger if you eat like that. Just kidding, I don't know. Um, peanut butter jelly wouldn't be a bad idea too. Um, some people will get like a handful of nuts, things like that. Um, so just things that are small and snackable, I think are great. Um, and then, you know, after the round, whatever, obviously you want to eat, but during the round, you just want something that gives you sustainable energy and things that are small, um, and snackable. But if you want better ideas, obviously consult like a registered dietitian or, or somebody in that area, because obviously it's not my area of expertise. I'm just giving you the things that I do and they're not going to work for everybody. So I'll just say that. Yeah, I think those are all great answers. I'll go off of a little bit of what um, I learned from Robert Yang in the fitness level two class through TPI. Um, and this is all just from him. So, and he puts all of this out on his social media. So if you have any questions, go reach out to Robert Yang. I'm pretty sure it's just Robert Yang on Instagram. I don't know what other so, uh, social channels he's on. But like Andrew said, you want to have um, things that are easy to grab and, and very accessible while on the golf course, right? So any kind of bar or nuts and uh, like seeds, stuff like that, a peanut butter banana sandwich, even just a peanut butter sandwich is good too. Um, all those are really good options. When it comes to bars, I would definitely say, you know, don't go get those Nature Valley bars that are like covered with chocolate on the bottom. All those things are not going to be good. First of all, if it's hot out, it's going to melt. It's going to be a mess. Secondly, something along those lines in terms of like chips, pretzels, candy, anything with chocolate is going to really spike your blood sugar. And so uh, if you already have an unstable blood sugar, it's just going to drop pretty quickly as well too. So your, your energy through the round is going to dip big time, especially when you need it. And then you're just going to need more food. And then it's just taking away your focus and any kind of energy that you need to be put putting forward during the round as well. The yeah. other thing I was going to say in terms of fruit too, fruit has sugar. It can still also spike your blood sugar, obviously a better option than candy or chocolate, but also a way to fight that is to have some nuts or seeds with that. That'll help level out the blood sugar as well. Um, in terms of food, obviously as much as we all love the, the hot dog at the turn, it's probably not the best, probably not the best decision. Um, but you know, make your choices wisely and, uh, you can, can do as you as you please in terms of hydration um everyone's going to be a little bit different it's hard to say i would always recommend having some sort of drink of water after every hole just take a little sip doesn't have to be a lot but that's a good way to ensure that you're going to stay hydrated throughout the round i know this past year is a little bit more difficult um because most courses took away uh water coolers and 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 fountains like that. So no one can use that. So make sure that you bring a big bottle, um, just fill it up before you get to the course and make sure you're good. Also make sure that you're good in terms of hydration before you get to the course as well. Um, that'll make sure that you're not already starting at a low level, uh, before you start your round. Um, the only other thing in terms of hydration too, that I'll say is that as great as like Gatorade and Powerade is, um, they do have a lot of extra added sugars in them as well. So sometimes they may not be the greatest and any kind of like energy drink or soda is obviously not the greatest. It has a ton of chemicals in it and it's not going to be very good. 
uh, for you whatsoever. So just plain water, if you want to add some salt to it, I know it sounds weird and may dehydrate you, but it's actually the largest electrolyte that's lost when you're sweating and exerting a lot of energy. Um, so you need that to replenish uh, in your body so that you can perform maximally. Yeah, another thing I, I would also say as far as maybe on-course nutrition is uh, uh, a decent protein shake that has, you know, 20 to 30 grams of, of protein, maybe like 5 to 15 grams of carbs and a little bit of fat. Um, that might be a little bit helpful, too, for somebody that's that's like, ah, I don't like eating a sandwich or I don't like eating nuts or I don't like eating fruit. Um, you can kind of just grab and go that and you know, take a few swigs of that and then maybe take a few swigs of water or something. So kind of balance it out would be the other thing I may say. Yeah. I think that's a great option. Um, yeah. Other people suggest, you know, chicken salad or tuna salad, some sort of protein like that. I like to use, um, along the lines of what you were saying, like an RX bar, I've been doing the go macro bars. I think Bryson, Bryson oh, uses yeah. those. They're actually, they're actually really, they're, they're really tasty. I, I really enjoy them. They're pretty good and they're um, decent, decent in protein. Yeah. I think he eats like one or one or two of them on the course with like a protein shake. Yeah. Cause he, he drinks yeah. like was it six to eight protein shakes a day. Yeah. Something crazy. I'll usually do, I'm depending on what I have available at home, I'll grab two go macro bars and bring them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty tasty. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. Just promoting a good product. <laughs> Yeah, and, and honestly, like we both said, it, it comes down to personal preference. Whether you're like RX, Go Macro, uh, Quest Bar, obviously is another uh, popular brand. Uh, Clip Bar is not too bad. Some of them can have a little bit too much carbs, but you know, if, if somebody, if you're you know walking 18 holes, which is like seven to eight miles, I mean, you can probably eat one of those, or maybe maybe even two. Um, so, you know. We're just saying make make good decisions, make the decisions you think is best for you. Um, and then if you still have questions, like work with a registered dietitian or somebody that has a good amount of background in that area, because uh, obviously I'm not an expert in that. So, Yes, neither I or Andrew are uh, registered dietitians or nutritionists. We can give nutrition advice, but we are not uh, technically skilled in prescribing uh, any kind of foods or dietary supplements supplements for anyone. We can only give you recommendations. Um, that leads right into the next question, which was also nutrition related. And basically they were just asking our thoughts on a plant-based diet for golfers. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, you know, I'll go back to a registered dietitian would um, can set up a plan, you know, for you if you want to do that. Um, a plant-based diet for golfers, uh, boy, you really, people are really giving us the hard questions tonight. Uh, you know, once again, it, it, it all depends. I mean, science is very tricky on a lot of things, whether it's fitness, whether it's nutrition, you know, stuff like that. It, it, it depends on the individual. I've, I've told a lot of people that kind of ask my thoughts on that. I say, well, the FDA has 1800 or 1,800 diets or more registered with it. So is there one diet that fits all or one nutrition plan? Absolutely not. If you can stick with a plant-based diet and you feel like it is beneficial for you, 
and you seek out the expertise of someone that has a strong nutrition background, especially a registered dietitian to help you out with it. I think that's great. But if you're just doing it off on a whim because so-and-so, you know, this high level athlete's doing it, or this golfer's doing it, you're setting yourself up for failure. So the easiest and simplest things, uh, with anything, whether it's fitness or especially this with nutrition, are things you can stick with and be consistent. If you think a plant-based diet is going to help you um, and you can stay consistent with it and make it simple, go for it. If you don't think you can stick with it and make it simple and you make it way too complex and it frustrates you and things like that, it's probably not good for you. But there's no one-size-fits-all as far as this. So my thoughts are, it depends. If you can stick with it, make it simple, be consistent, and it helps you out, um, and you seek further information from a registered dietitian, absolutely. If you can't do any of those things, it's probably not for you. Yeah, the I know there's a few. The first one that comes to mind is like Cameron Tringali. He's, I'm pretty sure he's plant based diet guy. Maybe um, that's why his blood head speed went up so fast. Just maybe. I also saw, I think, in the same article, because I was just kind of curious if anyone was doing this, and Tyrrell Hatton's name came up too. I'm not sure if he's plant-based either, but... I've been, um, I, yeah, I haven't really heard him talk about it. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> people talk about more of his, his temper on the course, which the European Tour is a funny, angry golfer's video on their YouTube. Yeah, so, that, that was good. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would, yeah, I really haven't heard anybody talk about uh, plant-based yeah. training. Yeah. So. I would definitely agree with what Andrew said. There is no one diet that fits everyone or, and it's not really in my eyes, it's not really a diet. It's a lifestyle choice and a change of whatever you want to do basically as kind of how, however you want to look at that kind of statement. But I mean, there's not one diet that fits everyone. I think the biggest thing for me that stands out when it comes to plant-based diet one, yes, definitely make sure you talk with a registered dietitian or a nutritionist because they'll be able to help guide you a little bit more and give you better instruction on how to construct your diet appropriately for your needs. But the biggest thing for me, if, if you're a golfer and you're into fitness and you're working out and you're say you're walking 18 holes and you're playing a few times a week, Doing all those things puts your body in a, uh, what we call catabolic state, basically. So it's going to break itself down to perform those actions that you want it to do on the course, in the gym, whatever. Those are all normal things. And rest and recovery allows your body to repair itself, which is all normal. The biggest thing for me is that you need to have protein to allow that to happen appropriately because the building blocks of protein are amino acids. And we make amino acids in our own body. However, there are eight or nine amino acids that we cannot produce ourselves. And we get those amino acids from eating uh, animal-based products. And any animal-based product that you eat, eggs, chicken, beef, anything along those lines, have all of those eight or nine essential amino acids that we do not produce. If you're only eating plants, you're going to miss out on some of those essential amino acids that we do not produce. Now, there are ways that you can combine those uh, what they call incomplete proteins to make a complete protein. That's where, again, talking with a registered dietitian or nutritionist can be really helpful to make sure that you're getting the right combinations of incomplete proteins to make a complete protein. And if you're doing that, I would say 
go to town with a diet. In addition to what, what Andrew said, if it's, you know, your choice that you want to do this for whatever reason, and you feel that's going to be helpful and it's something that you can stick to and make, uh, consistent and stay consistent with it, then go for it. Um, but definitely make sure, at least from my biggest point and end is that you're making sure that you're getting, uh, those complete proteins in, which is a little bit harder on a plant-based diet versus, uh, your standard carnivore diet. Don't know if you have anything else to add or if that was good. No, that's, I mean, that's good. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it just comes down to, can you stick with it? Can you be consistent with it? Can you make it simple? And is it going to help you out? And if you yep. can answer yes to the majority of those questions are all for, it's probably not for you. Well said. All right. Last question uh, was what are the best golf fitness exercises or drills for golfers over the age of 50? Ah, so I always love where it's like six best drills or just kidding. I think it's kind of clickbait. Um, what are the best fitness drills for somebody over 50? Uh, so one, that's a broad question because I could, Joe and I could give a number of answers for that. So what I would ask you is number one, have you been assessed by somebody either for your fitness performance capacity or B for your golf capacity? If you are not, Joe and I are both TPI certified. We'd be more than happy to run you through those, through those assessments and get things. And the reason that is, is number one, we don't know areas you need to work on. Um, there's nothing wrong with asking this question, what's better for people over 50, but one, Joe and I don't know what is lacking, what are some deficits, uh, two, what are things you can work on? Number three, what is a performance plan or, or a fitness plan um, for that? A lot of times we see with, with older individuals, um, and this is kind of a generalization. Uh, obviously, some areas that that do lack mobility um, or do lack areas that they could address their fitness. One is obviously the low back and the hips. Um, you know, especially hip inside rotations. So, if you're looking at me when I move it out, that's what's called external or lateral rotation. When I move it in, that's internal or what's called medial rotation. Um, and a lot of times with the swing, when we turn, we're looking at that inside rotation. Um, and Joe and I have both taken the title of Performance Institute, and they say that uh, hip internal rotation is better than external rotation. Another area, mid-back, uh, shoulders. Uh, shoulder external rotation is a big one. Mid-back, you know, being able to rotate and then obviously uh, extend are a few things. So, I mean, with, with the over 50, 50 fitness question, you know, it, it, it depends on what you're working on. I mean, we could work on, you know, squats for the lower body. We could work on some uh, thoracic mid-back drills where we kind of thread the needle and open up. Um, we could work on shoulder stuff. You know, we could work on external rotation with like wall angels, things like that. I mean, those are those are simple things. But without Joe and I kind of knowing the background on the assessment, the performance, the fitness, and the, the limitations that we need to address, um, we cannot really answer that question to the fullest of our abilities. So if you are interested, Joe and I, 
would be more than willing uh, to check that out and then give you a, a better plan. So kind of my final answer is it depends. And there are things depending on the area of the body or the area of the golf swing or the area of fitness and performance that we can address once we know the individual and kind of screen them or see, okay, this doesn't add up. Let's see why is this happening or what's going on here. And then that would be a better idea to kind of address the, the fitness or the performance game plan. Yep. So I would say definitely agree that obviously this is a hard question to answer specifically to the person who asked this. And I don't know if he's looking for a specific answer to say, but um, it's really hard for us to just give something really specific, obviously, without having to do a whole evaluation. So unfortunately, we're going to get broad answers. So this will hopefully help multiple people at once. But like Andrew said, getting assessed and getting evaluated to really find out what is best for you is going to be key. Um, that will really give everyone involved a baseline to really figure out where you are and figure out what your goals are and then be able to take you to that next level. Definitely with what Andrew said, as a generalization, as we get older, we tend to get tighter. Typically guys are more tight than females and we typically see that we get tighter in the hips and the mid back and the shoulders, which are all key areas for rotation in the golf swing. So improving hip internal rotation is usually the problem. Thoracic rotation is the problem. And then shoulder external rotation is also an issue. So any drills that you can find to improve hip internal rotation, thoracic rotation, and shoulder external rotation would be great for mobility. Another generalization that usually occurs as we age is that we tend to lose muscle strength and mass. And we also lose our uh, power slash speed slash quickness, basically. And unfortunately, if you're not working on those to make sure they don't continue to decrease or at least improve them. They're going to just continue to get worse. So doing some sort of strength training, like Andrew was saying, squats, deadlifts, anything along those lines are going to be really helpful. There's lots of ways that you can, can do that to improve your strength. Again, it all kind of depends on where you're at and other factors. And then also moving quickly, whether that's just doing some jumps, some med ball throws, even some short sprints, um, anything along those lines or, or doing any of those other exercises like squats, deadlifts, uh, bench press, any of those just quickly um, will also help to improve your power and quickness in, in the muscles and the nervous system, which are all going to be really important for the golf swing. And just a, an overall blanket statement that I would say for, for everyone, this would apply to people who are 50 and over to down to, you know, kids, teenagers, basically. Um, would be um, if you're a golfer, you're an athlete. And so you're going to be trained like an athlete. And there's specific movements and patterns that we do as people and that athletes do. And that's how I would go about as training you. We do squatting, we do hinging, we do horizontal and vertical pressing and pulling, and we do some sort of core work, which is usually anti-rotation, anti-extension, and then carries basically. Um, and so that's how I would program for you and how at least the people that I follow along the same crowd also would program. Um, but that's, that's my bias. And I think that's what would be best 
for you as a as a golfer because all of those movements are going to be combined and be able to be combined when you go ahead and go into the golf swing versus just doing isolated moves which can still be helpful depending on again what your goals and needs are but that would not make up the majority of your program Mm -hmm. yeah and i would also say that i would program that way because joe hit the all the big ones squat uh hip hinge deadlift kettlebell swing patterns uh vertical horizontal pressing vertical horizontal pulling um and you know carries forearm grip work golf is a power a speed and a strength sport so when you are biasing your training bias it towards those towards strength towards power towards speed not saying that cardiovascular um, endurance or training is not beneficial but do not put all your eggs in that basket. I would put more eggs in the basket of power, strength, and speed training compared to cardiovascular endurance. Um, not saying that you don't need to do any, but I would focus more on strength, power, and speed because that's what golf demands with club head speed, absorbing forces, transferring forces, change of direction, weight shifting, all these things. We can go on and on, um, but just basic strength, power and speed movements um, should make up the majority of your training and then sprinkle in a little bit of cardiovascular stuff here and there. Yep. Uh, Power, strength, and speed work will definitely help to decrease your risk for injury as well, which is going to be huge with the repetitive nature of the lovely sport of golf. Um, It can be really damaging to your joints, especially, um, you know, depending on how many times you're swinging, basically. And that can just be added up through, you know, obviously your rounds that you're playing, but also practice any of those things. And so um, getting stronger and getting more powerful can help reduce your risk of injury, which is always a good thing. Um, And then two, like Andrew was saying, golf is not technically a cardiovascular sport. Um, It technically is, if you really think about it, it's a long endurance of of a round, basically. But you're not running a marathon and you're not, also running a hundred meter sprint. You're more actually running like a hundred meter sprint than you are running a marathon when it comes to golf in terms of power and quickness and speed. Um, but put, put all your eggs into strength, speed and power. And then if you're walking the golf course like twice a week already, you're probably good in terms of cardiovascular work. And if you're, if that's your goal, just start walking on days that you're not playing the golf course, walk for 30 minutes around your neighborhood or on the treadmill, wherever doesn't matter. Your cardiovascular endurance will improve immensely and it changes a lot quicker than uh, building strength and getting power does for your muscles. Um, So you'll see a lot more benefit and gains in your cardiovascular endurance than you will uh, muscle and strength and power uh, comparatively over time. But those are all of our questions. One thing that we didn't touch on um, most recently was the news that Tiger had uh, back surgery and probably won't be playing. It seems like he may be able to play for the Masters. Um, a lot of people are possibly having that in doubts, but he had surgery on December 23rd, so well before the news broke that he did have surgery. Um, this was right after the PNC championship with charlie and if anyone watched that he was definitely moving a little gingerly at at points when he was trying to go down and pick up his tee um and i believe all all he had i shouldn't say all he had what because it's a surgery but 
he had just a micro discectomy, um, mm-hmm. which in the grand scheme of back surgeries is probably one of the most simplest back surgeries that you can have. Um, all they it's, do is just go uh, in and snip out. Is the, I would say it is the simplest along with a laminectomy. So, yeah, all they do is just go in and snip out a piece of your vertebral disc that is quote unquote bulging out and uh, just probably clean up a little bit of that area that's around there as well. And then close you back up. Usually the incision is about an inch or less. And an inch or two probably at the most. Yeah. yeah. And typically, in my experience, anyone who's undergone a microdiscectomy, if that was their only surgery, um, usually recover fairly quickly and are doing really well within two months uh, yeah. at most, honestly. Um, however, we do know that Tiger's story is a little bit different. I think this was his fifth back surgery, and I'm not uh, totally up to to speed with every surgery he's had. And I don't think we'll ever know probably all the things that he's had done to his spine, but, uh, his, his situation is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. I believe he's had three or four microdiscectomies, and then obviously the fusion at the last lumbar L5 and the top of the sacrum S1, which is in the grand scheme of things, that was probably about the best place he could have that fusion. So, um, yeah, usually with the microdiscectomy. Uh, protocols, you, the ones that I've seen, you can't lift over some surgeons is 10 pounds. Some are 25 for about four to six weeks. And then after about six weeks, those restrictions. So like you said, six to eight weeks, most people are, are, are doing pretty well. So obviously you look at the incision, make sure there's no infection or no issues or excessive redness or, or pain there. And then you just, you kind of work um, with what you have, you know, whether it's a lifting restriction or other restrictions. So, um, I believe Rory or Rory McElroy or Justin Thomas said he was back to like chipping and putting like two weeks after. So, um, he wasn't obviously hitting full shots or pitches, but he was doing something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate. I mean, Tiger has pushed his body quite hard. I mean, he's had an Achilles issue. Um, we all remember the Last time the U.S. Open was at Torrey Pines in 2008, towards ACL, and had a stretch fracture in his tibia, which is this lower leg bone right here. Um, but yeah, Tiger has uh, he, he's done a number to uh, his body over the years, um, and obviously the famous words of many people is, "Oh, you know, he lifted too much and stuff like that." And, and in Tiger's case, sure. I mean, he was training with the Navy SEALs. His dad was a Green Beret. I mean, he was running. Uh, somewhere around like 30 miles a week, which you don't need to do with golf. We just got done talking about that. Um, and then doing like Navy SEAL training with, with weighted vests and, and weighted things and all that. And, and over time, probably when he got into his, you know, around my age, his mid thirties and his early forties, it, you know, it really took a toll on him. Um, does that mean lifting heavy is dangerous? Absolutely not. But Tiger was, was taking it to extremes. And that's kind of the thing we want to we want to point out. But there are still some kind of old school, what I'll call dinosaurs, um, that kind of feel that lifting heavy or or doing things like we talked about, too much strength work, too much speed, too much power work, are going to be detrimental to these um, individuals that that are playing golf right now. And uh, you know, I just want to do the Batman meme where uh, Batman slaps Robin and tell him like, no, this is not. 
how it works if you get good programming and you control volume. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, for example, in a week, I mean, obviously they're training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, probably, you know, during a PGA week, it's probably in the moderate range. It might be heavy on Monday, maybe Tuesday, but by Wednesday, Thursday, it's in the moderate to light. And then like, if they do stuff on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's quite light just to keep their fitness up and just to help them play golf. It's not necessarily to show how strong they are, which a lot of these guys are quite strong. I mean, you know, the, the Brooks, the Rory's, you know, Bryson's transformation, um, Scott Stallings, you know, these guys, I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good athletes, but it's, it's just to maintain what they have in order to express themselves on the golf course to, to be able to hit a, a golf ball quite far, to be able to finesse iron shots, hit wedge shots, hit putters, be able to go 18 holes without having to fatigue or worry about is my fitness an issue. Right. Yeah, I would definitely agree that it's definitely not the strength training or anything along those lines that are affecting these guys. The only way that would affect them is if they're doing something, again, very wrong in terms of programming wise, like their their volume is just too much. Mm-hmm. Either they're or they're honestly lifting too heavy for what they're capable of, right? That's another option to hurt yourself. Also, poor or incorrect form is another way that you can injure yourself, although that's been shown that sometimes depending on on the move doesn't really matter too much as well. So I think the big thing to realize is that Tiger Woods, along with a lot of these guys, have been swinging a golf club since they were wee little kids and they haven't stopped since. And I mean, we probably have no idea what it actually takes to become a professional golf player, but my guess is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of swings every week. And if you think about how many times you swing a club in a week, that is insignificant to the amount of times that they're swinging. And Mm -hmm. let's get real. They're also swinging at speeds now of, you know, 120, 130 miles per hour. They're putting tons and tons of torque on their body. And they've done this for years upon years upon years. Things are going to start to break down and wear down after you continue to do a repetitive action like that over time. It's just a matter of fact, basically. Um, in fact, like I said earlier, doing strength training, resistance training, those kinds of things will hopefully help reduce that risk of injury and reduce some of that wear and tear that they are building up over time. And here's another thing I want to point out. Um, obviously, you know, I've, I've spent time in strength and conditioning and, and personal training and, I've done the certified strength and conditioning specialist in the national strength and conditioning association. There is a difference between off season training and in season training. These guys right now are in in season training. So a lot of times the intensity, um, you know, how fast they move things is much higher and the volumes and the weights are much lower. So that's why they're able to maintain their fitness and do what they do. They, they may still have like a one heavy session a week or something, for example. In the off-season, it is much different. They are doing much more moderate and heavy sessions, probably two, maybe four times a week. Okay? There is a difference between them being in the off-season. You know, for example, some of these guys may take eight or nine weeks off. That's perfect to do um, what we like to call a micro-cycle. So, 
you know, this is not training for the entire year. This is training for like 48 weeks at a time we're talking about, or they might have two micro cycles, you know, one four week block, another four week block or one, two week block, another two week, another two week, things like that. So I am more than willing to offer my services to talk about this to individuals, you know, off season versus in season programming this way. Um, Joe understands this too. There's, I mean, you could go down the rabbit hole of strength conditioning. I mean, you know, we can talk about off season, in season training, periodization, you know, linear, linear training, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways, but the thing that I want to make very clear is these guys are doing in season training with higher intensities and probably less volume and resistance, uh, compared to off season, which is a little bit lower intensity, but more volume and more resistance. So they are prepared for a PGA tour, um, for an LPGA tour, for a corn fairy tour, for a European tour, for, you know, whatever they're doing. So that's why they have personal trainers or strength coaches, because they understand these principles can give them to these players and they can execute it and not feel like it's going to be too much of a burden throughout the season. Yep. That's pretty much it. You gotta, gotta know exactly what you're doing. I've seen a few things along the lines, same things of what you were saying. You know, if they're playing all weekends, they'll end up having probably one heavy session that week. If they like don't make a cut, they're going to be able to probably squeeze in another session that week that may be heavier because they have the time and then, you know, they have a few more days until they actually have to prepare and play in competition again. Um, but as always, you know, like we always, always say, get assessed, get evaluated and get, you know, a professional in your corner to help you plan these things out. If this is something that you're looking to do, um, it, it really makes the world of a difference. Even if you are just an amateur player or just an everyday weekend player, it doesn't matter. Making sure that you have someone in your corner that knows exactly what uh, your needs are and what, you know, how to program appropriately for you is going to be key because just cherry picking off the internet is not going to be the best strategy for you. And in fact, it might be, might be even worse than, than absolutely doing nothing quite possibly. So, um, that's, that's that, um, anything else you want to add? Well, just briefly on that. Yeah. Cherry picking some things. Some of the exercises may go really good. You're like, Oh, that's great. Some may go, eh, I don't know. And some of them may not go as good. So that's why we're talking about getting assessed, getting evaluated, having individualized programming. For those of you that are kind of in the, the Midwest, Northeastern or areas, maybe the weather's not good. You're still in the off season. I mean, so for example, some of these places, you're not going to be able to play till like the beginning of April into March. I mean, that still gives you plenty of time. I mean, that still gives you, you know, probably around nine to nine to 12 weeks. And it's, you know, not saying um, we want to rush you guys, but it might be a perfect time to start an off season program, then transition to in season. And then you have better ideas. So when you stop golf in the fall or whatever, um, that you have an idea of what to expect in the next off season. So um, I think that's, that would be kind of a plan to kind of, you know, even though it's like, Oh, it's almost the end of January. Well, they still got February. You still maybe have part to all of March and then, you know, working into that first week of April. I mean, it's never too late. Yep. And then even, 
it gets a little bit harder, like you were saying, but training in season is also just as important, even for mm-hmm. us everyday golfers. Um, it's still just as important. Um, so either way, I would definitely reach out to someone. It's always, always a good thing, especially if you're trying to make sure that you can play this game as long as you possibly can. This is definitely going to be one of the ways that can help ensure that that happens. Um, but I think we'll, we'll end the show on that note. And then uh, we'll see everyone on the next roundup, which will be in March by the time this one is released. Um, But yeah, Andrew, thanks as always for joining. Um, Any last wise words of advice? Nope. Uh, Always fun to be on here, guys. Like I said, uh, don't hesitate to ask Jorai any questions, comments, um, even if we're not on the podcast. So whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, uh, don't hesitate to... uh, send them our way uh, and we'll do our best to try and answer them in a, in a timely fashion. Um, but yeah, uh, don't always hesitate to ask anything. There's no, there's no dumb question. Um, it may be that you just need a little more information or a little more context on it, but um, just ask away. Yep. Feel free to ask us. Thank you to everyone who asked questions for this round. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we would love to hear some feedback. So please feel free to send myself or Andrew a message and tell us your thoughts on the show. Even if you're a longtime listener and you have yet to give us any kind of feedback on the show, we would love to hear that. So please reach out to us. Also, you can write a review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to and write a review there, and we will be sure to make sure that we see that. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us talk, and we really appreciate everyone who asks questions. If anyone else who is listening has a question about golf fitness, golf performance, any kind of injury, nutrition, health, wellness, anything related to golf, please feel free to reach out to Andrew or myself and ask away, and we will make sure that your question gets answered. And if you would like to join the Healthy Golf Facebook group, the link to do so is in the show notes as well. So go ahead and do that. It's one of the easiest ways to also learn even more of what you can do to help your body and your golf game on and off the golf course. But we will end it right there and officially wrap this show up. Thank you again so much for taking the time to listen to this show. Keep working hard. Keep striving for excellence in everything you do because when you feel great, you golf great. 